Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah, joined by the man in gray. How you doing, Brett? The gray wizard. The gray wizard. My boy was watching. What was that show? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Gray Gandalf. Is that on? September 2nd. Oh, the new one. The most expensive series in history yeah. will come on Amazon. So, hey, if you want to see Brian... Holding the cane, running through the forest. <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> I like Gandalf. Hey, who doesn't like Gandalf? He's awesome. Anyway, we deviate. Great to be with you today. <laughs> we definitely deviate. Brian. Uh, okay, since the last podcast, we've got a couple things we're going to discuss today. Let's give it a market update. And then we want to talk about, as you mentioned the last podcast, hey, we're doing one on stocks. Let's do one on options, which is the second part of how we manage portfolios. So we want to do that, but we want to give a market update first because since our last podcast, the market has turned back down. Uh, year to date, the S&P is down, we're going to round and say 17%. The NASDAQ's down almost 25%. So all was good until Jackson Hole and Fed Chairman Powell came out and said, I'm going to inflict pain. Yeah, we're, he's going to be tough. I'm going to be tough. And prior to that, everybody was talking about how soft he was. Soft landings. Yeah. It's amazing how the mood of investors changes by 5%. Just overnight. It's crazy. So I, if somebody comes up to you, Brian, and they're nervous, they're like, this economy is going to collapse. Um, I don't know what to do. I'm nervous. What, what would you tell that person? <laughs> Words of wisdom. Yeah. I I don't get nervous. Uh, I I mean I'm not nervous. Uh I think uh I think what causes people to get nervous is they they see what's happened recently and and they in their minds think that uh that their minds go go into dark dark places and they think well what if this just continues and continues on and on, you know, uh, I could be down 30, 40, 50, per, you know, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just don't think that's uh, I, I don't think that's helpful. I think that's a, it's really a waste of time trying to figure out what the market's going to do. Um, I I always think, and I say this over and over again, um, I'm th looking out three years, five years from now, and I feel very good about our prospects over the next three to five years, ten years. What's going to happen in the next six months, the next year? I don't know, but in some ways, it doesn't matter. I, I don't want to say I don't care, but um, if the market does go down another 10, 15, 20%, then that will create opportunities to buy more great businesses at even more attractive prices, which means that future returns will actually be, actually be better. Now, of course, that's from those lows. but uh, so, so that's great for people that have cash and want to invest. What about the retiree? who has no more income coming in, and I've talked to a few of them, and they are nervous. Yeah. What, what, what do you tell them? Well, we plan ahead uh, for those situations. So for those clients, we typically have two to three years of cash and short-term, uh, less volatile bonds mm -hmm. set aside for your income needs over the next two or three years. So you really shouldn't have to worry about what what the stock market's doing over the next six months and next year or so. Yeah. 
because you have liquidity set aside. If you're a client of ours, then we have liquidity set aside to fulfill those income needs over the next two or three years. And you shouldn't have to worry about what the market and what the stocks are doing today or the next six months or the next year. And it, it's the long game. You know, we own great businesses that have very bright futures that will be more valuable three and five and 10 years from now. And uh, you just, that's how you should proceed with that in mind and, and know that what happens today or tomorrow in the stock market doesn't matter. So right now, for those people that are nervous, it's either going to be a great time and has been a great time to invest, to put cash to work. For those that already have cash to work, who are maybe living off of their investment accounts, we've planned for it. Mm-hmm. Right. We've had the right discussions, and if you don't feel like you have, then call us. But we've planned with that cash and short-term bonds. That will provide your liquidity needs until inevitably, you know what's going to happen, which is awesome. What's that? There's a new bull market just around the corner. Yeah, there always is. There always is. There always has been. Every mm-hmm. market decline is temporary. You plan for that blip, which it is a blip, and then... We're off and running. By the time we're off and running into that bull market, um, when the bull market starts, right, it, 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 there's still a lot of pessimism out there. Yeah. By the time there's clarity in the market, we're a year into the bull market. <laughs> so relax, everybody. Is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and that's how markets work. You know, when, when there's a lot of pessimism, and There's so much pessimism right now. But that's where bull markets start. Yep. yep. <laughs> at the bottom bull of that, markets are born the, on pessimism. At the bottom of that pessimism, when things look the bleakest, I can go back to March of 09, the one the bleakest one of the bleakest moments oh, yeah. in, in my investment career, and that was the bottom. <laughs> that was the bottom is March yeah. of 09, and uh it looked pretty bleak at that point. So if you're really nervous, ignore the news, the media. Call us, listen to these podcasts, because there's a lot of fear out there, and most of what the media puts out is fear-based. So, hey, don't worry. We got you covered. And and a lot of times I think people focus on the macro, which is so hard to get your head around. I mean, there's so many. When I say macro, you're looking at the big picture, meaning – you're looking at stock market, you're looking at interest rates, you're looking at money supply or the, just the economy in general. If you can really focus in on say, you know what, I'm going to look at your portfolio, look at the businesses you own. Say, oh, I own Amazon, I own Microsoft, I own Apple. These are wonderful, great businesses. Some, I, I really believe, truly believe, some of the best businesses in the world. These are the Michael Jordans, the LeBron James, the Wilt Chamberlains yeah. in the basketball world. You're a baseball guy, and I'm actually a football guy. I'm, I'm naming yeah, off what basketball Yeah, what are you doing? Players. Spencer's not here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the Merlin Olsen. Merlin Olsen, huh? yeah, yeah. There you go. Reggie White, uh, you know. The, these are great, great uh, all-star, great businesses that some of the best businesses the world has ever seen. And uh, we own them. And if if you think about, gosh, where's you know Amazon's a great business, and I'm pretty optimistic about that business over the next decade. Uh, and if you just go down the list and look at your portfolio, I think you'll. I you know what's fascinating, and then we'll get to options. One last point: 
is when, when we're having these conversations with clients is we ignore the market and we talk about the individual business, the whole nature of their face and their voice and, and the nervousness and the fear seem to go away. And they're like, yeah, that's a great business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's when you take the, take your eye off of your, the businesses yeah. you own and you think about, oh, my portfolio value is this and it used to be this. And it's, uh, temporary. It, it's yeah. all temporary. Every, like you said, every market correction in the history of the stock market has been temporary. And we, Yep. And we, this could be another topic of conversation. You know, why is that? And what we've taught, briefly talked about that in other you podcasts. You just set our next podcast up. <laughs> oh, man. You know, why, like why are markets, stock market corrections temporary? Um, I'd love to talk about that. All right, my friends. Should we get to options? Let's do it. All right. So, options. So, last week, go ahead. To lay the foundation, we talked about. Uh, really our process for investing in great businesses and finding great businesses. And one of those, which is the foundation for everything we do, including the options, one of those uh, criteria that we have is buying stocks at a good price. Like We have to do that. We're patient, just like buying real estate at a good price. We buy stocks at a real good price. That will lead into the options part, which I won't get to yet. Uh, but that leads into the options part. So for the last almost 20 years, I've been trading options. And I started trading options, man, back in college at the good University of Utah. I'm the only Ute <laughs> in this building. In this, bi- in this whole, well, I don't know. At least in our at Iron Gate. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Started, no. tra- started trading Ma- options there. Matthew's a... Matthew, he's a good you. Yeah, he's a you. All right. Yeah. Got a big game this week. That's right. Anyway. Um, started trading options there. And then I went and worked for an educational company called Invest Tools. And Invest Tools was great. And there's... See, there's a right way and a wrong way to trade options. And when I first went to this educational company, I started trading options the wrong way. Can I explain to you what the wrong way is? Yeah. The wrong way to trade options is to look at a chart and make a speculative bet on where you think in the next 30 or 40 days where a stock is going to be based on some moving averages or some stoichiometrics or (laughs) whatever you want to call it. As I made a lot of speculative bets. That's the first thing that options can be used for is speculation. Mm -hmm. And I hate to break it to everybody, but speculation is the wrong way to trade options. The other two ways that options can be used for is income, which we'll talk a lot about, and then protection, just hedging portfolios, which is insurance, which costs money and can be expensive. Okay. So it wasn't until a firm called Thinkorswim came in and purchased or, or you know, I say purchased, really merged with, with InvestTools, this educational company. And I met some Chicago traders uh, that I really respect, and they completely changed my mindset about options. Instead of speculating 
which I was very poor at, they said, why don't you take the other side of the trade and, and provide the option to those speculators, okay? And I, I'm kind of digging in the weeds now, so maybe we need to pull back and, and talk about what all that means. But when I met them, it was probability-based. It was, hey, I want an 80% probability of winning instead of 10%, which was the speculation-type trades. And I want to make 10 15% on my money, right? Instead of looking for home runs, now we're looking for singles. And single after sing greatest baseball team of all time was the 98 Yankees. And they didn't hit a lot of home runs. It was single after single after single, just driving in runs. And so that's where my mindset of, of options changed was from Tom Sosnoff and J.J. and Steve Rashis and all these guys that were with, with uh, Think or Swim. You know, that, that's where it completely changed into more income-oriented type trades. Most, uh, when most people think about options, they think about the speculative side. Yeah, of buying a call or buying a put and a directional trade that well, I think this stock's going to go up over the next 45 days. And and, you, and I can make 200% of my you, money. Yeah, you can make big money. <laughs> but there's an there's a, an 85% chance that you won't. Yep. If it does, then, you yeah, you could make big money. But it, the odds are against you when you make those speculative bets. So here's the best analogy for, I think, for what we do. You know, the, the right way versus the wrong way. And I'm going to bring up Vegas. Not because it's gambling, but because it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? Meaning you go to Vegas, and most people go to Vegas, and they're like, hey, Brian, I'm going to take 1000 bucks, and that's all I'm going to lose. And they go to a table, and what happens? They lose 1000 bucks, Or 5000 or <laughs> yeah. 10000 right. Why? What are they doing? Because they're speculating. They're speculating. What are they speculating on? I'm going to bet. On this number, <laughs> there's probably a 3% probability yeah. that they actually hit that number, uh, and they lose. The odds are so stacked against them. That, that is exactly right. The yeah. odds are so stacked against those types of people. Who has the odds on their side in the, Vegas? The house. The house. Yeah. The casinos. The casinos. Because yeah. they're saying, okay, Mr you know, whomever or Mrs. Whoever, you want to put $1,000 with a 5% probability, great, we'll take the other side of that trade. And we'll have a 95% probability of making money. We're not going to make a whole lot. We'll make 1000 bucks. To a casino, that's not a whole lot. But that's the house's side. Yeah. And they have probabilities on their side. Guess what we try to create for our clients? We, we try to create the casino. We're the casino for our clients, meaning let the people speculate. We'll take the other side of that trade, and we'll bring in a little bit of money with a high probability of success. That's our whole philosophy is, hey, we want, we want our clients and their accounts and us to be a casino and have the probability stacked in our favor, not against us. Yeah. And just hitting those boring little singles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really, yep. you know, which kind of matches up. We talk about it matches up with our, our underlying investment uh, process with, you know, buying great businesses and durable competitive advantages. And yep. talk about uh, how our that process uh, 
aligns with your options with the option strategy yeah that was that's that's pretty important so back i'm going to take you back how long have i been with you now nine years yeah, i think at, think so. at iron gate something so. like that nine years yeah. so nine years really 15 years ago i was out traveling the country teaching advisors like us yeah. how to trade options mm -hmm. and man were my eyes opened i did that for a couple of years and my eyes were open and i'm uh, that's all I'll say. My eyes were opened about how other people manage money. And I had a couple of those advisors come up to me and say, hey, I don't want to trade options. I just want to hire you. And that got me thinking, hey, I need to be on. I, need to just, I just need to do this for people. Mm -hmm. And that's when you and I met. And I thought, holy cow, this dude can pick this chairman, <laughs> this Brian the Gray, mm -hmm. he can pick stocks. His research, his track record is amazing. If I can piggyback on that with my options, then you you marry you 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 have the marriage of really of really two great things to benefit our clients. Yeah. And so that's what we've done. So how does the stocks and the options work together? You know, that's that's kind of the question. What what do we mean by singles and probabilities and all this other stuff? So in every option trade, again, there's a right way or a wrong way to trade options. We talked about that. But in every option trade that you make, there's two sides to it. There's, you either have the right to own stock or you're obligated. You take on an obligation. Okay? And, and that's very important to understand those two things. And I will through an illustration of this. All right, so let's go to our stock sheet, Brian. Okay. And we're looking at this stock sheet. This is our fundamental analysis. This is exactly what we talked last week. And I'm looking at a company called Apple. Got it. Apple right now is trading, let's say, let's round up, say, 160. Okay. Our buy-in, like our full allocation price. 144. 144. So Apple's a little too expensive for us right now to go in to be too excited about it. Okay. Um, so what else can we do? to make money on Apple. Well, this is where a strategy of selling puts comes in. Because okay? I know I want to own Apple. Fantastic business. But I don't want to pay 160 I want to pay 140 So this is a business that we've done research on, a business that we think fits our four criteria that we talked about last week. And uh, so we love the business. We don't necessarily like the price as far as buying it right now. But uh, this is where Brett's option strategy mess comes in, and it works really well. So this is what we would do in taxable accounts, okay? And I have to make that distinction, and I'll talk more about that. But in a taxable account that doesn't own Apple, we'd go out, and I'm looking out in October, and I'm looking at the 140 strike, okay? And I'm looking at uh, a bit of 2 bucks. We'll say 2 bucks. Okay? So what I can do is I can go sell puts for that client at 140 strike. So what does that mean? That means, remember I mentioned rights and obligations. That means if I'm selling that put, I'm taking upon me an obligation. That obligation is to buy Apple. If it falls from 160 to 140 at expiration, I have to buy Apple at 140. That's the obligation I'm taking. Guess what? We like Apple at 140. We like Apple at 144. We love Apple at 140. Yeah. 
We'd buy all day at 140. Okay? So talk to me. Uh, this is a question. Talk to me uh, the difference between a put and a call. What yeah. Is, what does that mean? Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, a put, if we're selling a put, okay, all that means is we're obligated to buy that stock at 140. Okay? So that's what I'll go with a put for now for what we're doing is I'm obligated to buy it. And I'll talk about selling calls in a second, which you take on the obligation to sell it. Well, I can't sell anything on the put side unless I own it. So on the put side, if I, I put seller, that means I'm, I'm kind of bullish on the stock and I'm obligated to buy it. Okay? So I'm obligated to buy Apple at 140, which is not a bad thing. A put is also generally a a put has to, the the buyer of a put is making a bet that the stock's going to go down. Okay, perfect. So I'm selling that put to somebody. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm selling a 140 put to somebody. Well, think casinos. The other other side of that trade is buying it. Yeah, and they're making the bet that Apple is going to go from 160 to 140. That's a and that's a high-risk, low-probability bet. I'll give you the probabilities. The buyer of that put that thinks it's going to go down has a 17% probability of being right. So if they have a 17% probability of being right, I have an 83% probability as the person providing the other side of that trade. I have a, a, there's an 87% probability that Apple or excuse me, 83% probability that Apple never goes to 140. So talk to, this is another question. Talk to me about where those percentages come from. It's, it's based on past volatility. It's based on future expected volatility based on what's happened in the market. Um, it's just priced into the options. And it's, I'll keep it that and simple. It's, and it's also based on historical trading patterns. Yes, and tra- yeah. And probably historical th- volatility of the underlying, future expected volatility, um, and the the wider the margin between the current price and the strike price, probably increases or lowers the probability. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, I could sell a one thirty five put and and have instead of an eighty three percent probability that Apple never gets to one forty, I could sell a one thirty five put and I have an eighty eight percent probability. Yeah. So the the further down you go, the higher your probability. Right. Okay. But if I'm okay buying Apple at 144, I'm sure as heck okay at buying at 140. 140. And you get a little better premium. So here's the premium. We haven't even talked about that. As as somebody taking on the obligation, I need to be rewarded for doing that. Hey, the reward is the two dollars. So for every one contract I sell, I collect two hundred dollars of income. And how much is a contract, or what's a? a one contract controls a hundred shares. Hundred shares. Okay, so for every one contract I I sell, for every one put I sell, I collect two hundred bucks. Okay, I collect two hundred bucks. So if I put the stock at one forty, if I have to buy the stock at one forty, my effective cost basis is one thirty eight because of that two dollars. So your net cost is one thirty eight. But there's an eighty three percent chance it never gets down there. Right. So that's the strategy, right? So instead of saying, hey, I want to speculate and I want to try to hit home runs, I'm saying I love Apple at 140. We're saying we love Apple at 140. It's not there. Why not create a little bit of income? Because we can't. Yeah. So 
in any given month, depending upon what's happening in the market, a taxable account that we manage could have five, six different put uh, positions like this in it of stocks that we love, that we're willing to buy. And if it doesn't get to that level, the client still makes money. Yeah. Brings in a little bit of income. And if it does get to that level, we're buying it at a price that we really like. Done. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that is, in a very simplistic way, uh, an income strategy for, especially for taxable accounts. Okay? In a retirement account, we can't necessarily do that because of margin requirements, and it just ties up too much money. So we, do, we don't do a whole lot of that. So in a taxable account, I, and I keep saying taxable account, what do we, what's the goal, right? What's the goal of all of this selling puts and trying to create income? Well, the goal is we take a sliver of a client's account, 5%, 5 to 7, 8% of a client's account. And our goal is to generate 3 plus percent of returns for the entire portfolio. So every month we're just collecting income so that at the end of the year, say your account's up 8% uh, on the equities, well, hopefully we've added another 3%, no guarantees, to that to where your return's now 11%. That's the goal. Yeah, that's attractive. Now, that's that. you say that's attractive. <laughs> Some people look at us like 3%. So what? It's not making me rich. It's not a get rich quick type thing. True, it's not. So what? So so what? What's the impact of 3% on a portfolio? 3% on a portfolio over time, over 5, 10, 15, 20 years is a lot. It's very significant. Yeah. In fact, we've got the numbers over 15 years. If you invest $1 million at 8%, after three years, you have three point, or excuse me, 15 years, you have 3.172 million. If you add the 3% per year to that and you go from 8 to 11%, your 1 million becomes 4.7 million. It's a difference of 1.6 million. Wow. By adding just 3%. 3%. Now you know why the Bellagio was built. <laughs> it's a long game, right? Yeah. In those casinos. And you have, that's the power of compounding money is uh, that 3% earns, you earn three, an additional 3% on that three, the next year and the next year and the next year, and it just compounds. And that's the beauty of of compound, you know, compounding money over yeah, time. Yeah. And, and and time is the key. If you can do that over 10, 15, 20 years, even just 1% difference over a 20-year period is very significant. Yes. We'll talk about the 1% people here in a second. But what's the risk? Like, what's the risk to this strategy? Okay. This strategy that we do most of the time, the risk is this. It's, it's stock risk. So it's if Apple, if I'm forced to buy Apple at 140 and then it falls to 130, I have $10 risk there. That's the risk. 
from for from your perspective. Yeah, and so I what, I, what, I think how, of, yeah. Tell me about the risk. <laughs> I think about that and I say, well, that's that's why um, we buy. I mean, what we what we look for in a business is a business that has staying power, durability, com- long term durable competitive advantages with good management, businesses that we understand. And so that 130 price on Apple, we've had this happen. I mean, we, we can talk oh, about yeah. Apple specifically. We, I remember a few years ago, uh, we were having this very same conversation about Apple. We had, we had sold some puts on Apple, and the stock went down. And, uh, but guess what? It was temporary. And, you know, and Apple's been one of our best investments over the, over, you know, yep. several years, several years now. And, uh, so, you know, that it was a temporary downturn. And the same thing here is if, you know, if we believe in, in, uh, if we believe in Apple, we believe that the future is bright. It still has durable competitive advantages. And we liked it at 140. Then we think 130. We re- like it even more at 130. Sell more puts. We, we may. <laughs> you know, we may sell more puts. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's so that's the risk is the stock risk. Yeah. I mean, that that's the risk in the strategy. But that's so, why the strategy works well is because we've done the fundamental research yep. on Apple or whatever company it is. And that we have confidence in owning that stock, even if it, it goes to 130, we still have confidence in it at 130. The clients that we're doing options for right now, they understand that we don't get everything right all the time, right? I mean, I've got some puts right now. I think one put that's that's underwater, that meaning the stock price has gone below the put strike that we sold, mm-hmm. and so you have to manage it appropriately, and. And I'm not going to get into that because that's way too confusing. But that's really what makes an option trader is your ability to manage things when they go against you. And so that's what we do. Yeah. Now, on taxable accounts, I'll say this. 500,000 in an account allows us to do what we want to do. And and there is taxes on that. So that's the minimum. That's the minimum amount. Minimum account you know, size for for that strategy. And yeah. a taxable taxable account. Mm-hmm. So that's the taxable side. All right. So if we can't do that strategy in an IRA, what do we do in an IRAs? All right. And that takes us to the call side, which is it, we sell covered calls. And that's about as simple an option strategy as you can get. So if I, if I were to buy a call, I'm making a bet. I'm, I'm, this is the speculative side, which we don't, you know, we rarely do, but we, we generally are doing, you know, the income generation where we're yeah. selling a call. But if I were to speculate on and buy a call, say, on Amazon or something like that, I'm betting that Amazon's going to be at a certain price higher uh, over the next 45 days or whatever that yeah. the contract time let's, frame is. So Let's even talk about Apple. Let's use the same mm. stock. Okay. And this is not a recommendation, but this is in IRA accounts. Hey, first off, there's no taxes in IRA accounts, but I can't, we can't sell puts because the, the cash requirement for selling puts in an IRA is just astronomical and it just doesn't make sense. Uh, in an IRA, we sell a lot of covered calls and this would be a covered call example. If, again, going back to my stock sheet, if, if we look at Apple and we say our estimated fair value, what we think Apple's worth at 100% intrinsic value is 180 bucks. Okay? Then, then that's where it becomes, 
You know, that's that's fair value. Like, what's the best way to? How's the best way to explain fair value? That's so what we think it's worth. Yeah. What 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 is the business worth or the value of the business? Now, there's a different there's a difference between intrinsic value and where the stock is trading. <laughs> so if a stock's trading below intrinsic value or fair value, then it's selling at a discount to fair value. If it's trading above fair value, it's selling at a premium. So it's just trading above. And stocks trading above and below fair value all the time. So if we look at Apple and we say it's worth 180, then 185 is a premium. Yep. A premium for Apple. Yep. So I look at this and I say, okay, um, I'm going to sell a covered call, a 185 strike covered call on Apple. So what does that mean? Okay. That means I'm taking upon me the obligation again. And that means if Apple hits 185 in the next 50 days, then I have to sell Apple at 185. Which is above our fair value price. That's so, at a premium. So we're okay with that. Yeah. It's yeah. like selling a, you know, a, I don't know, a million dollar home for 1.1 million. I yeah. don't, you know. Yeah, above. We're selling it for a premium. Right. So, yeah. Um, and, and I'm paid to do, I'm paid to take that obligation upon myself. So I'm paid, I don't know, 40 bucks for doing that. Okay. Not a big deal, 40 bucks. Doesn't get me too excited. We'll mm -hmm. talk more about that. Um, the probability of Apple going to 185 is 6%. It's a pretty low probability. So there's a 94% probability it never gets to 185. So if I sell a 185 call, I got a 96% probability it doesn't even get there. It's get there in the time frame of the contract time frame. Yep. It'll, yes. Yeah. In the next 50 days. Yeah. So, like, why not collect a little bit of income by taking on a small obligation with a very, very low probability that it'll even get there? Because we actually still like Apple. Yeah. You know, we, we don't really want to sell it. Uh, but, hey, if, if, it's, if it sells above in fair value, then, oh, yeah, we'll... we'll yeah. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll part ways, maybe, um, but not feel. Yeah. Here's the difference between IRA accounts and taxable accounts. If I bought Apple at a hundred bucks in an IRA account and I have to sell it at one eighty five, what's my taxable? What's my tax? You have eighty five dollars. You have an eighty five dollar long term. You know, with a gain in a taxable. In account. a taxable, yeah. In an IRA account? Oh, in an IRA, you don't have that. In, in a taxable account, I don't. we don't want to put clients at that taxable, right. that $85 per share, so we won't do it. In an IRA? There's no tax. No taxes. Right. So I could, I'll sell Apple at 185 sure, collect a little bit of income, and then wait, or buy it right back the or, next day, or, or wait. It, or wait until it goes down. Depending yeah. upon where it's trading. Yeah. And in an IRA account, that's the trade that we do most of the time. And the goal in an IRA account is 1% per year on, a, on top of equity returns. Yeah. Right? So if your equity returns are making you 8%, I want to make 9% in, in these accounts. How excited does that make you, Brian? An extra 1%. Well, over time, it's significant. In yeah. one year, I, I, I'll snooze fest. I'll take yeah, one year. I'll take it though. Over the course of fifteen years, same example, one million dollars, one percent different over over fifteen years will add four hundred seventy thousand dollars to your account. That's a lot of money. 
that's a big impact. Yeah. It doesn't matter over one year. But if we can just do this simple strategy and collect income, that's $470,000. I don't want to say generated out of thin air because it's not, because there's risk to it. The risk is losing the stock. But why not? Yeah, if you can add 1%, yeah. My voice just went really high. <laughs> that means I'm excited. Yeah. That's the goal with options. It's a very simplistic way to look at the option strategy. Yeah. And Does that make sense? Yeah, it's simplistic yet. There's a lot going on, and Brett's been trading options for 20 plus thir- – 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. He's been doing it a long time, has a lot of experience. He's le- He learned from some of the best in the industry back in Chicago. And uh, I've, uh, you know, I've traded options uh, years ago when I was in the brokerage industry. I never saw anybody make money in options. I didn't know how to trade options. And, in fact, my very first investment was in options. I sold a covered call. There you go. (laughs) You did a good one. No, I lost money. Oh, shoot. (laughs) On the underlying. Oh, boy. (laughs) On the stock. Okay. Yeah, it was a yeah. it was a disaster. So it's so easy to uh, if you don't know what you're doing to lose money in options, and I think yeah. most people do. They lose. Yeah, it's like the how. It's like the because the they're cas- going for home runs. Right. It's like the they're, casino. Yeah, and, they're, yeah. They're, they're 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 speculating. So what is um, the, the, I'll add a third thing onto this. Okay, the third thing is speculation. Let's talk about speculation because I would lie. To everybody on this podcast, if I say we don't speculate at times, okay? When the market's down 20 30%, what's the probability in the next four years, three years, let's even be more conservative, three years, that the market rebounds off of those lows? Historically speaking, it's pretty good, pretty good probability. Pretty good probability. When you when you have a big market movement, either up or down, a strong, strong market movement, there's generally the markets are inclined to kind of revert to the mean at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and so you yeah. have a big downturn. You're that's probably a, there's probably going to be a rebound at some point over the next couple of years. A pretty good rebound. And historically, that's that's that would actually. Um, be accurate, I think. So to our clients that want it, and this is not everybody because this is speculation. When the market's down 20 or 30%, okay, I'll go out three years or more if I can, and I'll buy a long call on the S&P 500. And with the idea that in the next three years, it's going to be I'll, I'll even, I won't even say quite a bit higher. I'll just say higher mm-hmm. than it is when it's down 30%, right? And that's when we speculate. When, it, when there's such a sell-off to where it's like, I'll buy this more. This is a no-brainer. I'll put money into this. Yeah. But it's not, you know, we might put half a percent of somebody's account in a trade like that to where if it takes off, that's where you get your big winner. But I'm not risking a whole lot because it is a speculative trade. When stocks in general trade down, that the big movements like that, I can. So I, I'm I'm the fundamental guy looking at you know valuation and and I do look at the valuation of the overall market. And so I can you know I can look at the S and P 500 and say, well, 
you know, I think it's trading around fair value based on earnings and growth, you know, long-term earnings growth and things like that. Yeah. And when the stock is, when the market's trading down 30%, it's rare that the, the, the stock market would be what I would call overvalued that big a swing. It was, it's probably selling below fair value when you have a 30% decline in the market. Yeah. And so it's, it, in my mind, it's a pretty good fundamental bet over the next three or four years. Yeah. So it's, is it speculative? Yeah. Because, because that's the nature of you're buying an option. It's speculative in the sense that there's a time frame. Yes. To, associated with the it. expiration. The yeah. expiration. If, if there was not a expiration, it would be less speculative. It'd be like buying the overall market and, uh, at a good price and say, that's not really speculation. That's investing. Yeah. It does add a little bit of degree of speculation because of the expiration. There's a time limit to when that stock has to move or the S and P has to move. Yep. Yeah. The cool thing about that is if I buy that long call, I can sell calls against it and that's a diagonal spread. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> there's some crazy option trades the straddle strangle swap the skewed butterfly the iron condor that i mean we can do all that but let's keep it simple and let's let's be the casino for so people you're talking a different language Evan. so <laughs> so here's the thing too i we will never guarantee that every year we'll make three percent in taxable accounts i will never do that you can't because there's there's crazy stuff happening and and I'll never fortunately we've we've been able to do it so far but I know there's a year coming up to where we won't be able to do it so it's not no guarantees in this in this world in in either type of account taxable or IRAs please understand that we work really really hard for our clients uh but there's there's never a guarantee yeah, but that's that's something you can't we can't make in our business. You just can't make guarantees because there's so much, there's so many things you just like you say we can't predict what the market's going to do this year or next year. Um, but over time, you know, we feel pretty confident about owning great investments over time and feel good about the the probabilities of making money over time. Yep. There's sometimes there's people that go to Vegas and win, and the casino takes a lump right? I mean, they take a loss. Well, what do they do? They invite that person. They give them a suite and a bottle of wine or a case of beer. Or Come whatever. back. Come back. Why? Because they know the probabilities are on their side. If I'm saying we're trading with an 85% probability, look, 15% of the time we're going to lose. And that's just how it goes. But if we keep going and keep going, doesn't take long for that casino to get that dude drunk <laughs> and to, to lose the money he just made. Right. Which, and the market's kind of drunk right now. Yeah, if the odds are in your favor, then time is your friend. And, and you know, sticking to the strategy. Consistency. If you do it once, yeah. you know, that one time that you make that bet, it might be that 15% probability that, that you land on. And you lose, but if you but if you keep going, and if and if you have a hundred bets, and you have an eighty five percent probability of uh, of making money, yeah. approximately eighty five out of a hundred, eighty five times out of those hundred bets, you're going to make money. And if you manage the fifteen appropriately, 
and you keep those losses small, right. then you're going to be okay. Yeah. So that's the whole goal. If you have questions, we kind of went off today. You got me excited about options. <laughs> if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Again, disclaimer, there's no guarantees. We do our darn best. And I would say this. In the advisor world, I used to go out and teach advisors how to trade options. I bet one, maybe 2% of advisors out there do what we do. I've been doing this 30 years, and I have never met anybody that knows how to, how to make money in options. Yeah. Except for you. It's hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. And I learned from the greatest traders, I think, out there in Chicago. But, yeah, it's hard. But, yeah. So it's rare. It's rare that people, you know, if you find somebody that knows how to knows what they're doing with when regard when trading options. So next podcast, why are bear markets always temporary? By Brian the Gray. <laughs> Until then, thanks everybody. Bye bye. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888 5910334